Hello and welcome to this episode of Greer Method, the podcast. I am your host, Jared Greer, founder of Greer Method Complete Coaching. I'm also an executive coach. And today specifically, we're actually going to do just a solo, I'm going to do a solo episode. Don't have a guest on today, um, but I've gotten a lot of requests asking for more clarity around what the Greer Method is. And then also each of the individual components of the Greer Method. So just at a very high level, the Greer Method consists of three core components. First, we achieve consistency and specifically in core habits so that we can automate and optimize our performance. Secondly, we build a technique and we use proven strategies to fill skill and ability gaps so that we can enhance our overall performance, our overall efficiency, and our overall effectiveness. And then lastly, we manage our intensity. And this is so that we can avoid living low complacency or mediocrity, but also so that we can not go so high and push so hard towards burnout and overwhelm. And this managed intensity allows us to have and sustain continuous growth and perform and operate at high levels. Before I go into what we're gonna talk about today, I wanna give you just an overview of how the Greer Method can be visible and you can recognize it all around you with people who are performing at high levels across time, uh, you, can, you can see it very easily. One of the things I've been doing recently is training for a marathon. This will be uh, number 13 or 14, I don't totally remember, uh, but I've got it actually happening tomorrow, so I'm really excited. Been logging a ton of miles, getting ready for it and training for it, and if you have been, if you're in the running world at all, you definitely know the name Iliad Kipchoge, who right now is the current uh, world marathon record holder. We're going to hold up Iliad against the Greer Method, and we're going to just talk through what are the things that he's doing in each of these areas that allows him to perform at world class. And so the very first thing is that we, we achieve consistency, right? And so some of the key characteristics of Kipchoge is he is every single week running between 105 and 118 miles per week. And unlike other athletes, he actually has no rest weeks. So he is solely consistent week after week, 105 to 118 miles. In his most recent marathon, he averaged a 438 per mile across 26.2 across his entire marathon. So the guy is definitely consistent. We can also get into the consistency of his workout regimen, the consistency of you know probably his nutrition, um, uh, lots of components that he has to be totally consistent in. The second component is building technique. And so Kipchoge, he, his technique is flawless. I mean, if you're just an, an everyday runner like I am, then there's a lot of improvement that can be done in the way you run to improve your efficiency and your effectiveness. His technique is so dialed in and so buttoned up that even the scientists who um, are working with him, they realize there's not really a ton you can do to correct his form because he has just such superior form. One of the things that they said if they were to improve would be what's called the angle of falling. And essentially, especially with these high-level elite athletes, they're running, they're practically falling forward the entire run. And so their angle of falling is 
basically leaning very, very far forward. And they said, he's already, his, his angle of falling is so superior already that the only way to really optimize his, his run and his technique even more would be to have him increase that angle and fall forward even more, which, you know, <laughs> at some point you actually fall, right? You it's not just a stride, you actually fall. So he has, again, flawless technique. The technique, he's got strategies and skills that take care of those gaps, take care of those, those areas where his ability might be, might be waning. And then the last is manage intensity. And so what's really interesting about Kipchoge is he has a variation of intensity. So even though he's running 105 to 118 miles per week, he's not just going out and running the same distance every day, the same pace, the same route. He's, he's changing it up. So some of his runs, and this is the same for a lot of marathon type plans, um, a, a lot of his runs are long hard efforts, very, you know, near marathon pace, if not at marathon pace. Some runs are just steady, slower, we call them recovery runs, that are usually slower than your race pace, but but they're they're slower. And then also there's speed work. So there's you're really pushing yourself and you're you're running faster than you would in an actual marathon. And you have to imagine that if he can run a 438 per mile for 26 miles, then he probably very likely can run much faster for a single mile if, if he was, you know, if he wanted to. And so when we think about managing intensity, that's what that's all about. It's understanding what you're trying to achieve and managing your intensity in a way that allows you to have maximum force, maximum efficiency, and you can sustain it over a long period of time. And in this thing called life, that's what we want to do, right? We want to make it all the way down the track, not just be really pushing super hard for just you know a short short sprint. They say it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And Iliad Kipchoge is just a perfect example, not only of marathoning, but of these principles of the Greer method, which is achieve consistency, build technique, and manage intensity. And because I'm a coach, I have to throw in, I mean, the guy has a team of coaches. He has people who are looking at him, looking at what he's doing, and really helping him to be able to take his performance to that next level. Weed out some of those um, inconsistencies, pull out some of those bad habits so that he can drive forward and perform the way that he wants to perform. And the, the result is he just took the world record in Berlin last month with a, a record marathon pace of 2.01 with 30 and 39 seconds. So he beat the, the previous world record by almost two minutes, a minute and 18 seconds. So that and it works the same for you. You don't have to look at him and say he's a world class athlete. Um, you know he he's going to be able to perform at that level. You can perform in that level in a lot of different areas as well. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that first component of the Greer method, which is achieving consistency. And certainly, it really all starts with consistency. Consistency is the key. And so oftentimes we hear consistency is king. And while it is king, it's also the key. And in the same way that a key opens a door and lets you in, that's what consistency does. It really just opens the door. It lets you in and it puts you in a position to now do something great, to now build a habit or, or improve or perform. Um, because it's only the combination of that consistency with proper technique and intensity that will determine the quality of your performance. 
So we can think on a very granular level. We want to be consistent in our in our habits, our daily core habits, right? Because we know that if we're consistent on our daily habits or those core habits, then we that leads to consistent performance in the in some of the primary areas of our life. And when we perform consistently in the primary areas of our life, then we actually start to perform consistently and we get consistent results in in our life and and in our business. So let's break those down. Let's think about just the the core habits. And this is central to what I do with clients is helping them to establish good, strong, solid core habits. Uh, I help them establish six of them across a three-month period where we can help them really become deeply entrenched. And daily habits can be anything, guys. It can be really anything. So, you know, we work on things from, you know, sleep, you know, how you communicate with others, how much you're learning, how you're learning, uh, what type of exercise, how organized or productive you are, how do you handle conflict or, you know, engage with others interpersonally. So those are all things that we're doing on a daily basis in some form or fashion. We're probably, if we're not intentionally doing them well, then we're probably doing them, you know, average or subpar or mediocre. Showing up and being really consistent in those core habits leads to that next step, which is the consistent performance. You know, we want to have consistent performance in our careers or in our business. We want to have consistent performance as parents and spouses, or maybe in our hobbies or with our health, perhaps in our spirituality. So, and think about any role that you play where you want consistent performance. Nobody wants to be, you know, really great for a short amount of time and then go back to being mediocre or average. So consistent performance in these key areas leads to then consistent results over time. So what are the results that we're looking for? Well, we're probably looking if you, you know, you're probably looking for good salaries, good jobs. You want your business to thrive. You want durable, strong, close, intimate relationships. We want health that allows us, you know, to to be mobile well into our later years. Um, so we can play with our grandkids and travel with our spouse or whatever else we want to do. Uh, we want good kids. We want kids who grow up and contribute in positive ways. And so you can reverse engineer all of those results that we want back to what are we doing on a daily basis? And that's why achieving consistency is the very first thing that I focus on. And we're going to talk a little bit about why consistency is hard, why people easily fail. Uh, when when we think about consistency or when we're trying to develop a new skill or a new habit, what are the common ways that people fail? And then I'll give you some some ways that you can create consistency. You can start to create consistency. Why is consistency so hard? Uh, there's a couple ways that we have to think about consistency because very first we have to acknowledge that we're we're doing something new, whether that means a new pattern for us or something that now is going to take more time and attention, or something that's going to impact somebody else, we're doing something new. And so that means that we have to be really good at organizing really the time and space around it. So that means a lot of different things for different people, but you know, ultimately, if you want to start a new habit, then something's got to go. Something's got to be, you've, you're going to replace because you're busy. We're all busy. We have tons of things that we're doing or places that we have to be. And so by introducing something new, then 
we're just making our plate a little bit more full. And so something usually has to get pushed to the edges. And quite honestly, those things that are already deeply entrenched, those are usually the last to go. So that means our New Year's resolutions, that means our new goals, our new habits, you know, the, uh, the, the, the times where we just feel this new oomph, like, okay, this is it, I'm changing. Those things are more vulnerable because now you've got to fit them in somewhere into your already very busy, busy life. I often think of life as, in my office, I've got this bookshelf that's got two bookends, right? And on my, on my bookshelf, I've got bookends on the top and then a row of books. And I always buy books. I'm the guy who will come home with like five books and my wife will be like, have you read the last five that you bought? And I'm like, don't worry about it. These are awesome. They were super cheap. And then I go to my bookshelf and I say, okay, where do I put, how can I put them in? And the reality is that my bookshelf can only fit so many books. And so as I bring this process of bringing new books in, I've got to replace old books and, and fit them in. They don't all fit. And it's the same where we're trying to incorporate new habits. They don't all fit. You can be super ambitious, so excited, super passion, passionate, very committed, and your books will not all fit. So something's got to go. And so when we think about being consistent in something, then we have to be better about organizing that time and that space around it. So here's some, some ways that we do that. One of the things is we have to give up things that we have to, that, that we've already chosen are important. Maybe a commitment that we made, maybe an extracurricular thing that we're doing. Um, and, and maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's, you know, watching the latest show on TV for, uh, you know, the entire series in one week or whatever it is, you know, a lot of binge watching going on. Or it's uprooting something that we kind of know is a bad habit, but it's become a, a deep habit. So just that mere fact of we've got to remove something from our life to be consistent makes it so hard to actually be consistent. It's also hard to be consistent because whenever we get on our high horse and we say, okay, I'm turning it over, I'm changing things, then there are so many natural interruptions. Think about, think about how you behave on a holiday or a vacation or a weekend or a special occasion, somebody's birthday or an anniversary or a wedding. Well, if you're like many people, then you're probably eating a lot of junk. You're probably staying up too late, not getting the sleep that you, you need or want. You're probably resting on your laurels a little bit because it's the holiday. It's a time to relax. It's a time to recharge. And so we kind of think that that's where we can relax and let our foot off the gas. They say, you know, 21 days, a habit becomes a habit. But in 21 days, how many Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays are there? Well, there is enough to be able to keep you from being consistent in that new thing. They say 100 days is when a habit actually starts to become automated, where you don't have to think about it or use as much willpower to actually make it happen. So these natural interruptions are always really, really good excuses to just take our foot off the gas, take a break from that new thing that we want uh, to incorporate, and you know, sadly, that, that's what keeps a lot of people from being consistent. And so that obviously comes with it, this pain from, 
I've got to start over again. I've got to do more. I've got to try one more time. Or how many times can I start over? Why isn't this working? Why can't I figure it out? The other thing that keeps us from being consistent is that our choice doesn't only disrupt our own life, but oftentimes it means that it's impacting others. So we now are trying to turn over our own leaf, but our own leaf kind of turns over to some extent onto somebody else's leaf. <laughs> if you've got a family at home, if you've got kids, if you have you know co colleagues around you, man, when you make this change, it impacts others. Even think about something as, okay, I wanna stop smoking. And now you've got this group of friends who you've always been smoking with who are like, hey, why, what's going on? Why don't you come smoke with us? And now your choice has impacted them. Uh, or maybe you're that person that's like, okay, January 1st, I'm going to the gym first thing in the morning, 6 a.m., I'm going to go. You get up, you do it, you go in, you feel great, but then you come out and you're feeling sore and you're tired. And by the t by 5 o'clock at night, I mean, you haven't been up since, you know, before 9 a.m. for the entire year previously. So now, man, 5 p.m., you're, you're grumpy. You're grumpy. Nobody wants to be around you. And after a couple of days of that, people are starting to say, hey, why don't you stop going to the gym? Have a donut, please, because you're just hard to be around. And so whatever the new thing is that you're trying to introduce, it's going to impact others. And so that obviously, again, it keeps us from being consistent. Probably the biggest danger um, of it, the entire Greer method, to be honest with you, but certainly of our consistency as well, is the constant comparison to other people. We're always looking at other people, good and bad. We're saying, you know, we're, we're doing better than them, yay for me, or we're doing, we're saying, I'm doing totally worse than them, terrible for me. And so that constant comparison puts us in this place of, really, either way, it it alters your effort. Um, if you look at, at someone else and you say, they're way above me, they're way better than me, then you might put in more effort and push yourself to overwhelm or injury. Or if you're thinking that you're above someone else, then you'll take your foot off the gas and say, well, I don't have to work as hard. I'm doing better than that person. And part of that comparison is we just fear being new at something. We don't like the way that we will look when we don't know what we're doing. A really good example of this is my wife and I, uh, when we were early in our, earlier in our marriage, we wanted to find a hobby that both of us liked, that both of us could learn and grow together and so we picked up racquetball. We went and bought all of the fanciest stuff, all of the new things. And we went into the gym and we went into the racquetball courts. And we realized very quickly we were, we were terrible at racquetball. Terrible. Had no business playing racquetball. And so we promptly left and never played racquetball again. We were so bad at it. We felt so dumb. We felt like, wow, everybody else here must be doing something else because clearly we just don't get it. We are not cut out for racquetball. So we became incredibly inconsistent. So that happens a lot. The other part is we kind of make assumptions about how other people got to where they are. We can see those people who maybe have the position that we want, or maybe they've got a really thriving business. And we might say things like, well, you know, they they went to a good Ivy League school and so they, they know what to do. Or we might say, oh, well, that person who's in great shape, they've got good genes. And while some of that might be true, we can make assumptions about the path that other people take 
And that path, their path can feel so different to our own that we just kind of worry about, wow, I don't know if I can even make it there. Without, without taking their path, uh, I, I don't think I can do it. And so again, we become inconsistent. We kind of give up on ourselves a little bit and, and we become inconsistent. So those are a lot of ways that keep us from being consistent, right? Have you ever felt any of those yourself? Have you ever, you know, in, encountered some of that comparison or that, that struggle to find the place for your new habit, your new skill to be, be plugged into your life? It's really tough, right? So that's why we focus on achieving consistency. So I'm going to give you guys some tips on how can you actually create consistency so that you can achieve it, right? The very first is, and we started out kind of at the beginning, accept where you're at now. So previously we said, acknowledge that you're doing something new. And in that acknowledgement, you have to accept where you're at now. Whether you're, you know, mid-mountain or you're near the top and you're trying to push to that peak, or if you're at the base and you're looking up and saying, wow, I just don't even know how I can get up there. Just accept where you're at. I think that is just a critical component and, and embrace it. Be okay with that. The second thing is as you look at the task or the, the, new, the new thing you're trying to become consistent in, break that down into smaller components. I see all the time people who want to do the, the uh, deluxe version of whatever it is. So I'm going to go, I'm going to fix my health. So now I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat clean, no sugar, no caffeine. I'm going to go at 6 a.m. I'm going to go to bed at 7 p.m. And there's like nine different things that they're trying to incorporate all at once. And it's like, well, let's just back down and let's just say, okay, can you start with just going to bed at 7 p.m. or 9 p.m.? Can you just start going to bed a little bit earlier? Or maybe you just start with exercise and you let's wait on the nutrition. Let's wait on the sugar and the cold turkey, everything, right? So break it down. Or, you know, if you're trying to just be a little bit more organized, you don't go from I don't do anything to plan my day or organize my time to, well, now I'm going to plan every single minute of every single day. I'm going to color code it. I'm going to just put it on a big whiteboard and I'm, I'm going to use that religiously. Like that's, it's just too much. So break it down into smaller components, the simplest version of what you're trying to accomplish and then go at it from that approach. And a key thing with consistency is that we actually measure consistency differently than we measure technique and intensity. So whereas technique, we're going to look at how did you do it? Did you do it right? Did you do it wrong? Intensity, we're going to look at, did you push yourself hard enough or put yourself on cruise control? When we're measuring consistency, we're actually measuring the number of times or attempts that you're doing something. So that's all. If your goal is to read more and you want to read five times a week, then all we're measuring is, did you read five times a week? We're not measuring how many chapters you read, how many books you read, for how long you read. We're not measuring any of that. We're measuring how many times did you sit down and actually read. Why? Because remember, we're creating time and space in consistency. That's all. Because then you can build. You can, you can do more with that. But ultimately, we want that time and space. Same thing. You want to start running. We don't measure how many miles you ran, how long you ran, how fast you ran. We, the distance you ran, we don't measure that stuff. We, we measure 
hey, how many times did you go out to run? One of the things I tell my clients all the time is that we have to focus on the inputs versus the outcomes. Focus on the effort versus the outcome. Because the reality is that we want to make sure that you have the right inputs and over time as the right inputs are there then the outcomes will be there and so measuring your consistency based on number of times just the attempts that is where you should celebrate that's where you should uh, find success I think all the time you know I, I have people come to me and you know they'll they'll say they're getting into running they're starting running and I'll say hey that's that's amazing you know how's it going and they'll be like oh well I'm only up to two miles. And you see, it, just even in that statement, the, the comparison, right? They've now diminished their effort because they haven't ran as many miles. Well, when you're getting into it, then what we want to do is we just want to celebrate consistency. We want to celebrate the number of times you've gone out and ran. And keep in mind, a mile is not shabby, period. So anybody who's going out and doing anything like that is you should celebrate it, right? And so we measure the consistency based on number of times, attempts, versus how much, how long, what happened, etc. The other way that we create consistency is we do a really great job of communicating with those who your choices are going to impact. Like I said before, you know, you adding a new book in your bookshelf might mean that you're taking a book out that's going to impact someone else's. Or maybe you've got a shared bookshelf, folks, and you've got a significant other who likes to be apprised of all the different things that's going on. You've got to communicate with people. You'd be surprised what you're able to do when you're just able to talk. We've got, you know, four kids, uh, all under the age of seven and under. Um, and my entire marriage, my wife and I, we've been doing endurance racing Training for an Ironman takes in some weeks up to 20 hours of training. And that's not easy. It's definitely a sacrifice on a family and, a, and on kids. Um, and it takes a lot of time. But what has made it work? I've done now seven uh, full distance Ironman, tri Ironman triathlons in the past 10 years. And what's made it work is that my wife and I are great at communicating when I'm going to go work out, when I plan on being back what the plan is for the rest of the day, what she needs to be doing, how how we can make that work. So we're we're helping each other to achieve what each other want, wants to do because of that communication. And that goes both ways, right? I'm my wife is sharing with me what she wants to do and so I'm making that happen. So sometimes I'm watching all the kids while she's going out and running. We just had a baby so she's not doing a ton of running right now. Um, you know, but she ran a half marathon last year. She's ran a couple other marathons. And, and the reality is that that communication, that allows for you as a partnership to organize all of the different things. If you're trying to change culture at your business, if you're trying to improve processes in your business, you've got to communicate those with your employees or your colleagues. If you're trying to turn over a new leaf and just be more positive, you might have to communicate your intentions with those who might be a little bit more negative. So whatever it is, communicating with those who your choice is going to impact or influence, then that is a it's a it's a benefit to creating that consistency. Now I want to give a disclaimer disclaimer because certainly all of these are going to help you create more consistency. Um, but often we couple consistency with technique. 
because obviously if we're gonna do something, then we want to do it right. But technique is measured differently than the consistency and the intensity. So just keep that in mind that in this initial stage of achieving consistency, we really are just trying to make sure that we are focusing on and measuring it in the, in the right way. Because when the focus is on consistency, then you're creating that space for your technique to be effectively built, for it to improve. Because obviously, when you don't show up, you can't train, you can't practice, you're not gonna learn, and ultimately, you're not going to get results. So I hope that's helpful. I hope you are hearing all of this and thinking, man, there are some things I can be more consistent with. Um, and there are some ways that you can measure it and just be super, super aware of that tendency to compare. Because when you're new, you've just got to stick with it. You've got to just be with it enough for the skill to come and the, the technique to build. And I promise you, it will. When I very first started doing uh, triathlons, I had already signed up for a full distance Ironman and I didn't know how to swim and I didn't have a bike. And I literally would go in the morning and 4.30 is a very popular time for people to be swimming. And I would go in the morning and I would do these drills, which for a beginner swimmer are literally things like <laughs> float on your back, the whole length of the pool, kick only with your feet. And so I'm doing these drills that were probably very um, juvenile for all these other swimmers. And sometimes people would be waiting on the, on the, the deck to have a lane. And here I am, a grown man, trying to learn to swim kicking around on my back, half the time sucking in water and almost drowning as I'm as I'm going through this process. But it was the consistency with which I showed up that allowed for the technique and the skill to come. And so that is the key. You stay in the pool, you keep working at it, the skill is going to come and eventually you'll be able to do whatever your equivalent is of 2.4 mile swim for mine, um, you'll be able to do it if you can stay consistent with it. But that comparison, that that fear of what do they think as they watch this grown man choking to death in the pool, drowning almost, uh, that's an easy way to say, well, I'm not gonna come. I'm not gonna come back. This isn't for me. I'm not, I'm not good at this. So as you think about your own personal development in whatever area you're trying to grow, whatever area you're trying to perform, very first, my friends, achieve consistency because that is the key. Once you're in the pool, then you can learn how to move your arms and legs, how to breathe, all the different strokes. And from there, we can move to pushing, doing laps, a certain distance, a certain speed, all of that. I'm just gonna throw this last thing in there. I think one of the biggest difficulties with the whole comparison is that it just makes people feel like they're not good enough like they're not good enough and not capable of performing when the reality is capability is there. Uh, consistency isn't. So the, the Greer method works and I promise you're probably already using components of it in lots of what you're doing. Um, and hopefully this has been helpful as you break down just the principle of consistency. And hopefully you feel more confident to be consistent. As always, if I can help reach out with any questions uh, happy to help in any way that I can. If you love this episode and you know someone who is just dying to be more consistent in something, I know you have someone like that, then please share this episode, leave a comment or review, good or bad, um, to, to help me get better, but also to help spread our message 
uh, far and beyond. So love this episode, share this episode, like this episode, and uh, come back and check us out next time. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back.